brings us to our knees. It's not your power that throws us on the floor into submission. It's just your unrelenting love, your amazing kindness, your wonderful grace, day after day, the steadfast love of the Lord, the fact that it never ceases, that it's new every morning. We wake up every day to new mercy. It's that that brings us to our knees. We're not crushed by your power. You could crush us by your power, but you would never even dream of it because you love us so much. And Lord, we just want to thank you for that today. We rest in that. We're secured by that. And we really, really do. We really, really do appreciate the fact that we can never, ever be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What a great morning we're having this morning. Let's thank our musicians. Great to see Dan on the drums. Come on. Let's give Dan a big cheer. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. You're going to see a lot more of Dan, I tell you, on that kit. And... Um, Look at these young people. Absolutely fantastic. A lot of those are learning instruments. And we're going to be seeing them on this stage, leading the way for us, leading us into the presence of God in the months and the years to come. So it's really, really exciting. Wonderful to see these young people here this morning. You know, when I was looking out and just watching them worship and have a little chat to each other and laugh and giggle, I thought, you know what? It's wonderful to see these young lives in God's presence. God's going to use them greatly. I believe that. And their life's course is already set. Each step for them is going to be, I believe, ordered by the Lord. And I'm going to talk this morning. We're going to look into the Psalms. And the man that we're going to look at is David. And David was just like these youngsters when he set out, when God started to use him, we would be wrong to think that God just uses, you know, mature people or older people or people that have got a lot of experience or have been in the church a long time. We would be foolish to think that God can use anybody and everybody. He wants to use you and I, irrespective of our experience irrespective of how long we've been in this church, irrespective of what you know about the Bible, you may think, well, do you know what? I don't know much about the Bible. Guess what? That qualifies you even more. It really does. It doesn't matter what you know or what you don't know. The Bible says that God is pleased by one thing and one thing alone. It's not a theological degree. It's not going to Bible school or any other school. It is faith simple faith and trust that pleases God. The fact that you got here today after a hellish week is, is actually a compliment to your faith. The fact that you're in here today singing praises to God amidst all of the accusations that may have hit your mind, hit your life, and yet you're here today singing your praises to God and lifting your hands, even though it's quiet, even though it may even come from your heart silently, that is a tribute 
and a testimony to your faith in Jesus. God is pleased with such faith. When there's huge odds against you that is telling you to stay at home and keep the door shut and hide your head under the covers and don't come to church, the fact that you are here today lifting your hands and saying, do you know what, God, I know that my week might not have been perfect. I know I might have bitten the ear off of that person in work, but hey, God, I'm here to praise you. I'm here to thank you. I am here to revel in your forgiveness. I am here to revel in the life that you've given me. That is a testament and a tribute to the fact that you are trusting him to get you through. So no matter what the odds are, no matter how hard it gets, never ever forsake the assembling together of the saints like we've done. It's wonderful. It really is. It really is. We're going to look again today at David's life and we're going to take some lessons from his life. For weeks now, I've been looking at Psalm 86 and we picked up on a statement that David made uh, in, in a really dark moment in his life when he was looking for direction, when he needed help, when he needed instruction, when he needed guidance, he actually described himself as a poor man, a needy man in Psalm 86. Any poor people in the place, I'm not talking necessarily about monetary poverty or, or you know, things. I'm talking about sometimes we're poor inside. You may be poor today. You may be needy today in your soul. Well, you're in good company because David and many others in the Bible, felt that poverty of soul, that poverty of direction. And yet in the midst of all of that impoverishment, David, in desperation, cried to God. Psalm 86, he said, teach me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That's a man that's come to the end of himself. That's a man that realizes that he can't, make the right decisions about the directions in which he needs to go. That's a man that's completely desperate to find help in God. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. And he promises and he resolves that if God would teach him, he says, I will walk in your truth. When God instructs you, when God teaches you, have that same determination that David had. Do you know what, Lord? If you speak to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey your word to me. I'm going to I'm going to follow the instructions that you give me. Have that same resolve that David had. God's going to teach you. God's going to speak to you. God's going to instruct you. The question at the moment may be far, far bigger than the answers that you're receiving. But I'm telling you now, God is going to speak to you. He's going to help you. He's going to direct you. And when he speaks to you with that still small voice that seems so insignificant, have that resolved. You know what? I'm going to walk this thing through. I am going to walk in truth. Been looking at Psalm 86, and I've got lots to say on that in the weeks to come. Lord, as I tell you, when God opens something, it's just like a gushing well. So much to talk about that particular chapter. But we're not going to look at that this morning. I'm going to return to looking at Psalm 34. Before we went camping, we had a great camping holiday under the canvas. It was fantastic for two weeks. Um, before we went on holiday camping, we looked 
uh, just for a week or so at Psalm 34. Psalm 34, an incredible psalm. You look at David's life, and what you begin to see was that God answered his prayer. He was a man that was instructed by the Lord. He was a man that was taught by the Lord. He was a man that walked in the truth. And God blessed David. God gave David good success. God prospered David. God wants to prosper you. God wants to give you good success. God wants to, your, your life to be a blessing. God wants your life to be an expression of his goodness. He really does. Amidst difficulty, yes, maybe. Amidst circumstances that contradict what you believe, yes, maybe. But God wants to bless each one of our lives. I really believe that. You look at David's life and you see a man that was instructed. You see a man that was taught. You see a man that walked in the ways of the Lord. And when we come to Psalm 34, you, you, you begin to see some incredible colors in David's character. Some incredible attitudes that he has regarding life regarding the future that's facing him, regarding things that have settled, convictions, courageous convictions that he's got inside that he will not allow life to tamper with. Tell you now, life wants to condition us. Life wants to get a hold of us by the scruff of the neck and throw us around like a rag doll. David, in Psalm 34, nails his colors to the mast, shows his convictions very clear, and, and the strength of his character. This is a man that is not going to be messed with by life. This is a man that is not going to be controlled by circumstance or anything that's uncertain. When you look at Psalm 34, I'm amazed at what I see. And I want to follow the example of this man. I want to, I want to catch the spirit of what this man had. You know, these words in Psalm 34 aren't written just for us to read and just for us to pose over and just, to, just for us to think, well, you know, that was nice for him. No, God set us examples in place so that we could follow. He wants us to have, each and every one of us, that strength of spirit so that we never come under a circumstance, that we're never crushed or under the heel of a crisis. But we always have a strong resolve to meet God in amidst all of the variances of life. I picked up on a statement in Psalm 34, a phrase in verse 3 that David makes regarding his life. And he wanted his brothers to join with him. And he said this, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's enlarge our understanding of the Lord. Let's not allow life to diminish our understanding of God. Let's not allow circumstances and the contradicting times in which we live to diminish and crush our convictions and what we know about the Lord. No, amidst all of these uncertainties that we're facing, David said, let's magnify God. Life is hard, life is difficult, but let's make God bigger. Let's enlarge our understanding of him. You can't make God in his essence and in his character 
any bigger than who he is. He's the creator of the universe, the one that set the sun, the moon, and the stars in their place. He is awesome. He is glorious. God is magnificent. We can't add anything to his character or to his substance, but we can enlarge our understanding of him. Don't allow life to come with its dirty interpretations of God and mess with your head. Magnify the Lord. Magnify him. David chose to do that. He was not going to allow life and all of its variances to change his conviction of what he knew about God. Psalm 34 verse 1 to 3 says this. Oh man, this is incredible. What this man said and his attitude to life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You read the entire psalm and it's of the same tenor, the same spirit. A man that's victorious, a man that's not regressing, a man that's advancing, a man that has the spirit of God living inside of him, creating his thinking, shaping his attitude. My God, if we're just left to our own devices, we're going to end up in a mess. But thank God we're not left to our own devices. We're not left to our own influences. The Lord wants to get into the nitty-gritty of our daily life experience so that we can unlock and unleash His power. That we're not under life, but we're triumphing and reigning in it. David was like this. You know... And I think I I referred to this before. It would be easy for us to think that when David wrote just these, these four lines, these four opening lines of Psalm 34, it would be easy for us to think that he was having a really good day. It would be easy for us to think that his numbers had just come up on the lottery. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. It's easy to praise God. In the good times, we all know that. We've all done that. It's easy to praise God when everything is going well. You know, when you look at the background and the context of what we've read, it would be easy to think that these were the first words that came off David's mouth when he defeated the giant Goliath and set Israel free. However, these words were not spoken when David had an incredible victory. These words weren't spoken when David was up at his highest, facing great success. No, these words were actually spoken in the darkest moments of David's life. Such a positive spirit, such a strong conviction amidst really aggressive, negative circumstances. But this was the the level of life that the Lord had brought him into. You know, we can't get there by ourselves. But Jesus said, I will send you somebody just like myself. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you 
to be everything that God created you to be. He's going to help you. This isn't self-strength that we're hearing. When David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, this isn't a man that's just having a good day and uh, an up moment and just, you know, deciding to be strong for everybody and resilient for everybody and then silently going back to his cave, hiding and crying his eyes out. Well, I didn't really mean it and I had to say that before them just because, you know, I just want to keep up appearances. No, this is the character of a man that made a resolute decision. His life was going to be centered in God irrespective of the circumstances that came his way there was one thing that would never change and that would be his proclamation of praise to God it'll be continually in my mouth he opens and says I will bless the Lord at all times I mean how long should we stay on this I will bless the Lord at all times. Do you know what that word bless means? It means to bow down. Noel sang about it this morning just before I got up. It means to bow down. I will bow down continually at all times before the Lord. Do you know when you bow down before the Lord, you don't have to bow down before anything else. You don't, when you bow down before the Lord at all times, you don't have to bow down before fear. You don't have to bow down before depression. You don't have to bow down before a myriad of thoughts that want to bombard you and captivate you and imprison you. You get that right. You bow down before the Lord. And I'm telling you something now. He will empower you so that you do not have to bow down before anything that is outside of his will for your life. That's freedom. That's freedom. What are you bowing down to? What is the taskmaster all over your life that's whipping you and saying, listen, you can't get free of me. Your life, your life is dependent on me. Well, I tell you now, your life is not dependent on anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you're his. You're his. And you know what? We may not be where we want to be today. We may have some hang-ups, some habits, some addictions that we're struggling with. But I'm telling you, by the time it's all finished, by the time it's said and done, you will be free as God's people. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And there may be some things that are hanging on our lives that we're not, a, not proud of. I tell you, don't beat yourself up. Jesus died on the cross for you. And he's, got, he's, gonna, he's not going to shame you. He's your savior and he's going to hold you up as a trophy of his grace and that test and that ugly experience and that habit that you may be ashamed of one day is going to be a testimony that's going to set people free and you're going to say the Lord has set me free. He's going to set you free too. I'm telling you. So don't, don't allow the enemy to play head games with you. Don't allow him for one second to make you feel guilty because you're justified. You're acquitted. You're blood-bought. And there's an advocate in heaven that appeals to the Father and says that you are free. And he paid that price for our freedom. Bow down. I will bow down at all times before the Lord. No, it'd be easy for us to think, you know, that David was having a great day. That this was just the, the closing statement after a magnificent victory. 
But in fact, when you study the history of the times that David spoke these words, he was on the run for 18 years. This was, this was his response to 18 years of abandonment, 18 years of homelessness, 18 years of being ousted out of a nation that he loved, 18 years of running from cave to cave in foreign land and being called all the kind of names that you would never want to know, being known as a slanderer, a, a betrayer, as somebody that has been ousted as a fugitive from his land and all he wanted to do was serve a king and free a nation. 18 long years of darkness, 18 long years of being left out. There's a lot can happen when we get faced with disappointment after disappointment unrelenting pain, and David faced it all. And yet after it, after all of it, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm not going to bow down under this rejection. I'm not going to bow down under the words that have been spoken over my life by people that hate me. I'm not going to bow down under my own doubts and fears. I'm not going to bow down under any of this rejection. I will bow down continually before you. Your praise will never leave my mouth. I'm telling you the same spirit lives in every single person under the sound of my voice that was in David. Even more so. Even more so. The same spirit it's so difficult to understand it with our minds. But it's there. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. When you feel you want to give in, when you, when you feel as if you, you, you want to throw the towel in, the spirit of God will quicken your mortal body. And you'll stand up as Jesus stands up inside you. And he will not allow any single one of us to be crushed by life. We are more than conquerors. Through Christ, who strengthens us? It's not our own power. It's not our own strength. But that strength is in every one of us. Lift your eyes up. Lift your head up. Don't, be, don't, be, don't feel low. Don't feel downcast. Go to the Lord. Get down on your knees. Say, Lord... You know I've been bowing down to this fear. You know I've been bowing down to this addiction. You know I've been bowing down to this habit. You know I'm struggling with this issue in my life. Lord, today I come and I bow down to you. Watch what happens. I bow down to you. Watch what happens. It may not, it may, for some of us, it'll happen instantaneous. It'll be an instantaneous deliverance. For other, others of us, he'll lead us by the hand and he'll slowly walk us out and he'll deal with the Pharaoh over your life with a crushing blow like he did for the, for, for the, for the Egyptians when the Israelites were enslaved. For some of us, it's a slow journey out toward deliverance. For other, others of us, it'll be an instantaneous deliverance. But I'm telling you now, you make... You get on your knees and you pray to God. You say, God, I'm bowing down today. Not to fear anymore. I'm bowing down to you. 
I will bow down, he says. I will bow down continually before the Lord. One thing I noticed about this when I looked at the whole setting around what David spoke was, and you see it plainly, you see it clearly, that it's not your conditions, but your decisions that determine your destiny. It's not the conditions that you're in that determine your destiny as a believer. It's your decisions. This psalm is full of a man stating his decisions regarding his life. You go through it, line after line, decision after decision. So strong, so powerful, so resolute regarding his future. What decisions are you making? Are you allowing the conditions that you're facing to shape your decisions? When we, when we get bombarded by circumstances, it's easy to allow circumstances onto the plane of our life where it begins to shape our decisions. The only trouble with that is when circumstance and the conditions that we face begin to influence our decisions, our direction in life becomes skew. But David here, line after line in this psalm, has hold of his decisions. In amidst all of the darkness that he's facing, he still has control over his decisions. Maybe today, you have to make some really good quality decisions. You don't just have to put up with things. Make some new decisions. Make some choices that are in line with God's plan for your life. This could be one of them. I will bless the Lord at all times. That could be a decision that you're going to take away today and take home and carry it through your life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Or it could be, I'm going to magnify the Lord. You see, whatever you magnify, that is what you exalt. I found this out the hard way. I really did. I can remember going through a situation in my life where, where fear magnified all of the wrong things, and I allowed it. I allowed it. I just allowed fear to come on in to my life. I allowed it to sit down. I allowed it to go through all of the rooms in my mind. And suddenly, before I knew it, the conditions of life and the circumstances that I were facing were being governed by fear, and the decisions that I was making were not in line with God's word. And as a result, when you're fearful, you become depressed. When you, when you give way to depression, it's easily to become oppressed. And you get all of these issues going on as a result of not making good quality decisions. Decisions. David could have given way to fear. He could have given way to all of, the, all of the praying circumstances and praying voices that he was struggling with. However, he made his convictions clear. Decision after decision after decision in this psalm. 
It's loaded with it. And that's how he came through. That's how he was able to walk in the plan that God had for him. You know, we were, we were in uh, Dartmouth a few weeks ago when we were camping, and they had the, the regatta on in the estuary. And it was amazing to see all of these ships going up and down the estuary. See them, you know, navigate through and come from the sea. And they, you, you'd see them. Some of them were large, huge vessels with sails. And others were small. But you know, whether the, the, the ship was large or whether the, the, the ship was small, the boat was small, they all had one thing in common. Their direction was governed by a small rudder. Just a small little rudder turned the large vessels and the small vessels alike. Do you know if you haven't got your hand on the rudder, your life will just go from left to right all the time. If you haven't got your life hand on the rudder, then you just, you know, you, you just at the mercy of every storm that comes your way. But God wants us to have our hand on the rudder. He wants us to make the rudder for your life are the decisions that you're making. Do you want to find out what direction you're going in? Just, just take a look at the decisions you're making. Do you want to find out where you're heading? Do you want to find out what your destiny is? Just, you know, take an inventory of the choices that you've made over the last six months. And if you need to straighten up your course, get your hand on that rudder again and begin to make those decisions in light of God's word, in light of the instruction that he's giving you. And you'll come on through. That's what David did. He wasn't going to allow circumstance or crisis or difficulty to have the hand on the rudder of his life. No way. Psalm 34 shows you a man who's saying, no, man, I, have, I know exactly what I've got to do in a time of crisis, in a time of need, in a time of darkness. I'm not, I'm not backing off. I'm actually running forward. And it's incredible to see it. When you, you know, if you, were, if you were to sit around a table and put David's life on a piece of paper and you, you, you noted the fact that he slew Goliath and you noted the fact that he was the, the nation's champion and then you look at the 18-year exilic period, you would think that he was a one-hit wonder. You would think after everything that David went through that he'd end up in some mental home deranged in his mind far from it far from it a man that had faced unrelenting pressure man that had been rejected comes out in psalm 34 more healthy than ever more healthy than ever ready for life, ready for any situation that might come his way. And even after he wrote these words, there was some huge challenges. When his army got invaded and their wives got taken and all of his men were going to turn on him and kill him. Do you know what he did? And that could have been one of the lowest moments of that 18-year period. Do you know what he did when even his own men turned on him and, and were going to kill him because their wives and, and 
uh, their wives and all of their goods had been plundered. Do you know what David did? He fell on the floor and he began to worship God. That's a man that is, is not only voicing some words to keep everybody up. That is a man that has an incredible depth of life with God. With God. And that is all of our portion. It really is. It really is. David, I will bless the Lord at all times. Sometimes we go through things and we have problems. And I don't know if you find this, but I catch myself doing it. Sometimes I empower the problems. I actually inflate them far bigger than what they were when they began. I, I rehearse them and I talk them through and I give them a power that they don't have. I empower them by my voice. David never did this. David never empowered the problems around him. He centered his life on praising God. He centered his life on magnifying the Lord. It's incredible. But not only David. There's others in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is full of people like this. The Bible is full. When you begin to look at the catalog of people, you see them down throughout every single generation of time. People facing huge circumstances, challenges, and crises that are far, far bigger than them. And you see them, you see them amidst of it just praising God. You see them magnifying the Lord. You see them not inflating the problem and, and giving way to circumstance. No, you see them centering themselves amidst the storm and they, they magnify God. Think about Paul and Silas when they were in prison. Incredible story in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. And, you know, these guys had been preaching the gospel and suddenly there's a huge uproar as a result of them telling people about Jesus' love to the point that they get arrested. After they get arrested, they get beaten with rods, right? So you, you imagine the pain, the, just the, the sheer confusion of what they went through as a result of just doing something good, just serving God. I mean, they weren't, you know, working against what God wanted them to do. They were just doing God's work in a city, just trying to extend the kingdom. As a result, they get, the Bible actually says they, they got beaten with rods many times. They end up in prison and they're chained up. Now, a little bit of poetic license. Just imagine Silas saying to Paul, Hey, Paul, I thought you wrote to one of the churches and you said we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. I don't feel like a conqueror at the moment. I'm bound with chains. I'm imprisoned in a dark place. Or just imagine if, if Silas had said to Paul, Paul, you said, you wrote in a letter that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're more than conquerors. All of this stuff. If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul, this is a contradicting time. 
Everything's contradicting what you've said, Paul. Do you know what they did? They didn't do that. They didn't raise their voices against God. They actually praised God in the midst of that prison. They actually, what, they, what did they do? They began to magnify the Lord. Read it in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. It says this, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Why? Why were the prisoners listening to them? Well, maybe, probably not because they were singing in tune. They were suffering. They were, they were feeling the pain of, and the backlash of a, of, a, of a city that didn't want anything to do with them. Physically, they, their backs were bleeding. So they weren't really singing in tune. That's not why the prisoners were listening. Their, their, their songs were probably flooded with tears. And when we say praise God at all times, you know, sometimes you're, you're going to be on your knees and you're going to be crying because your mind is feeling the contradictions of the circumstances you're going through, but your spirit, you see, it's not just having this plastic smile when life hits you hard and just, you know, singing a song and praising God. No, you're going to be on the floor crying. As your mind is torn between what's happening in your world and another realm in heaven where you're secure and you're safe and you know that God's going to deliver you. So it's not about having this plastic smile. No, sometimes you're going to be beaten with rods and those rods are going to be circumstances and those rods are going to be difficulties that are far bigger than you and it's going to be like that you're in a prison. But I'm telling you now, when you begin to praise God, even in your pain, even in your suffering, even in your difficulty, even in the confusion and the darkness of a prison, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. Those prisoners were listening because these men were just crying out to God and suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. You see, God can take the worst circumstances of our lives and make something beautiful from them. As a result of that, the jailer gets saved, his family gets saved, and the gospel is spread. And the kingdom of God goes to other regions as a result of that difficult situation. You magnify the Lord. You magnify the Lord. Don't magnify. Silas didn't magnify the conditions that they were in. They made a decision to praise God in the midst of all of their difficulties. You look at the, another situation when the disciples were with Jesus one day. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in just a moment. Disciples were with Jesus. They're on a boat. And when they set off, everything was calm. And it's a great analogy, that little incident. Great analogy about life. 
They set off. Everything was good. Jesus said they were going to get to the other side. And, you know, when you set off in pursuit of something, everything is good when, it, when, when you begin. But it didn't take long for the difficulties to set in. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And a storm comes. And these men, the mistake they made was this. They tried to steer the boat through the storm. They put their hand on the direction of their life when they needed Jesus to stand up and do what only he could do. They put their hand trying to steer and trying to use their skill against the storm. And as a result, what happened? The storm overpowered them. Their fears were magnified to the point that Jesus comes up. And what does he do? He doesn't say, pass the, pass the controls to me, boys. I'll use my skill to get us through. No, he stood up on the bow of that boat and he spoke to the storm. He said, peace, be still. And suddenly, it's all ended. And there's peace. And they get to the other side of where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus made a decision. Jesus spoke to the storm. Jesus said, enough is enough. And everything became calm. Those men were amazed. Do you know what? In our lives, maybe today, we're struggling with the storm. We're fighting this way and that way and trying to use every resource available to us to get through. Do you know what? You've just got to bow down. You've just got to bless the Lord at all times. You've just got to magnify Him and suddenly you'll find Him in the midst of all of the darkness and He will say, peace, be still, and everything will be calmed. It sounds, I tell you now, you read the Bible, it sounds so easy. And it is when He's in us, and He is. Mountain overshadowing you, a mountain intimidating you, a mountain opposing you. What did Jesus say? Speak to it. Speak to it. Don't listen to it. Speak to that mountain. And the faith that you have, even though it may be the size of a mustard seed, in proportion to the hugeness of that obstruction, Jesus said, you use that faith. You speak to it. You speak to that addiction. You speak to that habit. You speak to those negative thoughts. You speak to those aggressive feelings that want to capture you and form you. You speak to them. Use your faith. And that mountain, that obstruction, will be overturned. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Whosoever says unto this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, they shall have what they say. That's what he said. Well, I think we should do it. I think we should go ahead and take hold of that word and use it and apply it, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Amen? Amen.